Good morning to those of you joining us online. We are so grateful that you have taken the time to be with us. Say hello, let us know you're here, and we are just so glad to be worshiping with you all this morning. I am going to read from Psalm 92 as we prepare our hearts for worship this morning. Um, I just pray that these words would be a blessing to you. Psalm 92, verses 1 through 4. It says, It is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High, proclaiming your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night, to the music of the ten-stringed lyre and the melody of the harp. For you make me glad by your deeds, Lord. I sing for joy at what your hands have done. I know we don't have the harp or the lyre this morning, but we are still here with open hearts to worship our Lord and Savior, and we trust that he is going to meet us here this morning. And so I want to invite you to pray with me before we begin. Gracious God, we thank you, Lord, for this day, and we are thankful for this time to be here together in this place this morning. God, I just pray that you would meet us in a very special way today. Lord, I just pray that you would meet each person right where they are, God. Give us what we need this morning. Fill us with more of you, Lord. God, we come together with joyful hearts. It is a joy to worship you and to praise you for the good things you have done for us and for your faithful works and how you continue to faithfully show up for us when we need you, Lord. God, we love you and we praise your holy name this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, again, I want to say happy Father's Day to all of you fathers out there, and we hope you'll enjoy this uh, video that's dedicated to each and every one of you this morning. I don't care how late you stay out. Stay out as late as you want. You want to borrow the new car? You want to borrow my credit card? Kids today, they really have it rough. I have no idea where we are or where we're going. I mean, when I was their age, life was easy. Super easy. Why haven't you gotten a tattoo yet? How come you don't have any piercings yet? Yep, we're lost. We are completely lost. Ooh, sports. It, it, just do whatever the mechanic says to do. Vehicle maintenance is completely overrated. Look, whatever the mechanic is asking, just pay him. Pay him whatever he wants. I wish they had soap operas at night. I like that boy. You should date him. You should date him immediately. Well, what about the creepy guy with the motorcycle? He's cute. Yeah, sure. Spring break in Tahiti sounds fun. Hey, make sure you get all your video games done before you start your homework. You don't have to pass all your classes. What? You have a project due tomorrow, and you've known about it for four weeks, and you haven't started yet? Sweet! Doesn't anybody want to know if we're there yet? Remember, if you need anything between midnight and 4 a.m., please come wake me up. Hey, I'm on the phone. Could you bring the baby over and let him climb all over me? Hey! Hey! Can you please turn that music up? Well, we just stopped for lunch 10 minutes ago, but yeah, let's stop again. I never have trouble with my toddler. I never have trouble with my teenagers. I never have trouble with my adult children. You know, she's right. We are ruining her life. Yes, more homework to correct. All right, whining. Yay, tantrums. Mmm, vomit. We just really need to spoil these kids more. Sorry, buddy. I don't know any good jokes at all. You're 16. You pretty much know everything now. I think 18's a great age to get married. Okay, remember, make sure you turn on all the lights before you leave the house. Hey, could you leave the front door open for a couple hours? Thanks. Whoa, money really does grow on trees.
Let's pray together once more this morning. God, we thank you, Lord, for the countless reasons that we have to bless your name and to praise you this morning. Lord, for some of us, just being able to be in this place, just the simple joy of being able to come to church in person this week, for some, that is, that is what they needed, and it's just a joy and a praise that they made it here this morning. Lord, for some, we are reminded of the, the most difficult times in our lives that you've brought us through. And Lord, as we sing songs like, Great is Thy Faithfulness, we are reminded of the struggles of life that we go through, that we faced. And for some, Lord, it's just a reminder of how you showed up in powerful ways when we needed you most. Lord, for some of us, singing things like, great is thy faithfulness is a call to trust that you are faithful even when we don't quite see what it is that we want to see. Even when we don't see the answers to our prayers the way we would like we cling to hope, we cling to the little bit of trust that we might have left and still say, great is thy faithfulness. We say things like, Lord, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. For some, great is thy faithfulness is just a call and a cry out in trust when going through a difficult time. Lord, I pray that, that we would all see and be reminded of your faithfulness in our lives. In this moment, Lord, would you just remind us of how good and faithful you have been, even in the, in the rough, even in the bad, even in the most heartbreaking and devastating situations. We can see glimmers of hope, and we can see your goodness that is still to be found, even in the midst of trials and pain and heartbreak. Lord God, I just pray, I continue to pray this morning that you would show up for us in the ways in which we need to see you this morning. Would you speak a word to our heart, the word that we need to hear from you this morning? Lord, would you anoint and bless these words that have been prepared so that it is you speaking your word to your people this morning, the word that we need to hear, the word that the church the people of God need to hear in this moment, in this day. Lord God, would you be faithful in your word this morning and in your willingness to speak to us, even if it's a hard truth today, Lord. God, we just pray that you would continue to move among us and around us. Continue to, to guide us in our efforts to, to remove ourselves from these four walls and to be the church that you've called us to be. God, as we begin to make efforts to step outside this building and connect with those around us in our, our neighborhood here on Lake Christine Drive and in our neighborhoods at home, would you go before us and would you continue to move in powerful ways that we see that this is indeed what you've called us to do, and we see your faithfulness yet again. And God, we praise you in advance. God, we give you the glory and the praise for the ways in which you will move in our lives and the lives of those around us. God, we love you. We thank you for your faithfulness this morning. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. And all God's people said, amen and amen. 
Well, we are in week three of a summer sermon series that we call The Art of Neighboring. Um, And for those of you who haven't been with us uh, the past few weeks, or if this is your first time joining us, um, the inspiration behind this summer sermon series comes from a book that is called The Art of Neighboring. We didn't get too terribly creative with that name there, but um, we're taking the inspiration from this book that, that simply challenges us as Christians to be people who actually listen to and obey the greatest commandment that we read in Scripture. And so the greatest command that we read um, in Scripture when Jesus is asked, what is the greatest command? And he says, it is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's kind of the catalyst passage that is inspiring this series we, we talked about in that first week that we certainly know that Jesus wasn't just talking about our literal neighbors that we live next to. We know that Jesus did not reduce that command down to a particular person in a particular place at a particular time. We know that in his response, he meant love everyone as God loves them and love everyone as you love yourself. However, we also recognize that there are certainly missed opportunities in our neighborhoods. We recognize that right outside our door, right outside our homes, there are certainly neighbors who are lost, who are broken, who are hurting, and who are desperate for the hope of Jesus, even if they don't know that yet. And so we thought it's not so wrong to start with our literal neighbors. And we talked about the fact that many, if not most of us, might not even know the names of our literal neighbors. So how can we even begin to love them in the way we've, call, we've been called to love them if we don't even know their names? So that's our challenge this, this summer is to learn the names of our neighbors, to pray over them, and to pray that God would give us opportunities to connect with them. Last week, we talked about one of the barriers that kind of keeps us from being able to do this, or we kind of use this as, as a good excuse to not better connect with our neighbors, and that is the barrier of time. And so last week, we talked about how we just don't have time. We live busy lives. We're focused on, on perhaps not the, the right order and way, in the ways in which things should go, and, and so we are not making the time to connect with our neighbors. And, and the challenge, what we wrestled with last week was that if we don't make time for our neighbors, if we aren't willing to make time for our neighbors, what we might actually be saying is they're just not as important as everything else I'm doing. And so this week, we're going to continue to talk about another barrier that we might face, something that stands in the way of us better connecting with our neighbors, and that is the obstacle of fear. I think fear sometimes keeps us from reaching our neighbors or from even meeting them and learning their names. And I don't necessarily mean a dramatic sense of fear, although for some it could be, but I just mean even just the little uh, timid fear of, of putting yourself out there to introduce yourself to your neighbor. For some people, that very thought is crippling. And I understand that for some people, it's very difficult to think about putting yourself out there to even meet somebody. And you think about how you might be received or how you might not be received, how you might be rejected, and and you may even be ignored because I had that experience. I had a, a really unfortunate experience with trying to meet a new neighbor that moved in across the street from us a couple of years ago. And it was a very small house, and this one um, older single lady moved into this house, and, and I kind of, you know, when you're neighbors, you notice things. I wasn't creepily watching, but you just notice there's a moving truck, and it's obvious that, that this one lady has moved into this home. And so the next day, I thought, well, I would love to make her a loaf of pumpkin bread. It was October, and I thought that would be such a warm welcome to go and meet her and give her this loaf of pumpkin bread. My only agenda was to give her the pumpkin bread welcome her to the neighborhood and just let her know my name and and about our family a little bit. And so uh, I gathered up my kids, asked them if they wanted to go with me, and they were excited. And so I I packaged up this loaf of pumpkin bread, and it was the cutest loaf of pumpkin bread you ever saw. And I packaged it up all nicely, and then my kids and I, we walked across the street. I, I noticed her home earlier that day, and her car was in the driveway. And so we walked up and knocked on the door. She didn't come to the door. 
She didn't answer, and so we, we knocked one more time. We waited a few minutes, you know, we tried not to be aggressive, but, but the kids were like, well, her car's here, you know, they're shouting, like, well, I hear her dog barking, or I hear someone, and I'm just like, shh, it's okay, and so we knock on the door again, and she doesn't come to the door, and, and after several moments, I thought, she's not coming to the door, <laughs> and so I took my sad pumpkin loaf and my kids, and we walked back home, and, and we enjoyed the pumpkin bread, but um, my neighbor sadly did not get to Maybe it would have been really horrible and made her sick, and so the Lord kind of saved us from that, but I'm just kidding. But um, so I waited several weeks, and there was one night when we were having some other neighbors over for like a little bonfire, and I saw her, her front door was open. Her storm door was closed, but her front door was open, and I saw she was home, and I thought, it's just not fair that we're all having fun out here, and she's not even invited, so I'm going to go again. And it just took a lot of courage to go again. But I, I just felt like the Lord was saying, just go invite her. So I, I got up the courage to walk over there again, let her know that we're having a barbecue if she'd want to come and join us and meet some neighbors. So I go to the door, and I knock on the storm door, and, and I try to step back, you know, not be intimidating. And, and it took several moments, but she finally came to the door, except she didn't walk to the door. She hobbled to the door because she had just had surgery, and so she's wearing this ginormous boot. And so now I have inconvenienced my neighbor greatly because I was so stubborn and, and determined to meet her that I made her hobble to the door to answer me. And, and I was like, Okay, well, I was coming to invite you to this cookout, but I can see that maybe you're not going to be feeling up for that tonight. So sorry to bother you. My name's Nicole. All right, bye-bye. <laughs> so, you know, it was just, she was nice, and she said maybe another time, and, and that was kind of the end of that. Uh, but I've had some awkward encounters. Maybe you've had some awkward encounters where you've tried, but you just weren't received well, and so that kind of keeps you from, from stepping out again to try to connect with a neighbor. I said earlier, too, that, that it could be more of, a, of an intense fear that keeps us from reaching our neighbors. Uh, for some of us, we, we see these news stories. We read stories of just awful things that happen to people, and we know that there are so many bad people in the world, and so we just feel like it's safer to just keep to ourselves, that it's much safer for me to just keep to myself and to just not engage with the world around me because you just never know what kind of person you're going to get involved with. And, and so maybe you're suspicious of your neighbors. Maybe there are some who have given you a good reason to be suspicious of them. Maybe there's some that just seem a little bit odd or something just doesn't feel quite right. Maybe for some of us, this is one that unfortunately I think of a lot. I let the fear of, well, what kind of influence will they have on my kids? I kind of let that keep me from meeting my neighbors sometimes, especially if they appear to have some wild and crazy kids. Like, what kind of influence? influence will they have on my wild and crazy kids? I didn't think that one through all the way because some people probably look at my kids and think, uh, no, we're not going over there. <laughs> Sorry, maybe another time. But things like that can keep us from meeting our neighbors. What kind of influence will they have on my family? Maybe for some, it's just a fear of a long-term commitment because you realize that there's nowhere you can run from your neighbors. Showing up to a once-a-year soup kitchen opportunity is that's fine because you show up you serve and you're out and they can't find you but when you're in your neighborhood your neighbors can come and, and they can bother you and now you're committed to them because there's nowhere for you to go and so maybe you're just afraid of of feeling like you have this long-term commitment what is it for you what might you be afraid of when it comes to meeting your neighbors it doesn't have to be anything drastic for some it might be deep for others it might just be you're just not sure you want to put yourself out there. But what is it that keeps you from meeting or connecting with your neighbors? See, I'm not recommending that we simply blindly jump in to, to meeting our neighbors and dismiss all of our fears. I know that sometimes we have fears and those can be valid. Fear can sometimes save us from potentially dangerous situations. So I, I have, feel like I have to say that, that I'm not just saying blindly jump into any situation no matter what. But I also think that often, maybe even most of the time, we might argue that our fears are unwarranted and they're actually obstacles that are in our way that keep us from faithfully obeying the greatest command we've been given to love the Lord our God and our neighbor as ourselves, 
So if we're going to neighbor well, if we're going to neighbor in a Christ-like way and truly love our neighbor, we are challenged to, to wrestle with this tension of fear when it comes to reaching our neighbors. And so I want to point you to a story in scripture that we read where we see a similar kind of fear in the people of God. And this story is found in Numbers 13. We're going to read from the book of Joshua in a few moments, but I want to set the backdrop for you in this story of Numbers 13. You see, in this story you'll read, I'll just kind of give you the highlights, that, that the, the Israelites have approached the promised land, the long-awaited promised land. And it is just about time to go into this land and to inherit this land that they have been waiting for for such a long time. And so God calls Moses to take 12 men and to, there to go into this, to the land and to kind of scope it out and kind of see what the situation is in this land. And so these 12 spies go, out and only 10 come back. And the thing is, is that the majority of these 10, they come back with a fearful report to Moses and the Israelites. They say, listen, this land was every bit as great as we heard it was going to be. It was flowing with milk and honey like you wouldn't believe. And look, we even brought you a sample of fruit so you can see the amazing fruit that is found in this land. But unfortunately, um, the people that live in this land, our neighbors, they are huge and scary. And so we don't think it's smart for us to go because to them we're like grasshoppers. And, and it just wouldn't be safe for us to go. And I think God forgot to mention that part. So we vote that we don't go, that we stay here. That was kind of the, 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 my version of the report of the ten or the eight spies. Because two of them, Caleb and Joshua, said, that's not what we saw. That, we did not perceive that. I mean, yeah, there might be potential problems like war and, and weapons and, and there's these fortified walls. But overall, we don't think it's anything that God can't handle. We think if God called us there that he's going to take care of us and provide for us. But unfortunately, the Israelites didn't listen to Caleb and Joshua. They leaned into the fear that was provided them by the rest of the men. And Caleb and Joshua probably had to wrestle with things like, really, did they tell you that they saw you as mere grasshoppers, or is that just something you perceived? Did, they, did you hear from anybody that, that, they're gonna be in, that we're going to be intimidated, or is that just what you perceived? And so as a result of leaning into this fear, instead of, of believing what God was calling them to do, they spent 40 more years wandering around in the wilderness. See, they were on the doorstep of something great. God had a great plan for the Israelites, and they were there on the doorstep of something amazing. But their fear got the best of them, and so they missed out on that moment because when God would bring them back 40 years later, they would all be dead. And Caleb and Joshua were the only ones alive to see God's provision play out and God's faithfulness play out because everyone else missed out on the opportunity. So 40 years later, I know this is kind of a, a long, shortened version of the story, but hang with me. 40 years later, they, they get back to the, the edge of this land. And so they come back, and, and so God tells them, okay, send in some more people to kind of scope out the land so we can kind of get a feel for where to go and, and what to do. And so as these two other men go into the land, and as we read kind of the rest of the account in the book of Joshua, we actually get an insider's perspective, an insider in terms of someone who lived in this land, we get their perspective and what that perspective was 40 years earlier. See, we read in the book of Joshua about a woman named Rahab. And Rahab was, an was a, a person who lived in this land. And, and she tells these two men that, that, that find themselves on her doorstep, of all doorsteps to find yourselves on, go read the story. This was not the doorstep that two Jewish men would want to find themselves on, on Rahab's doorstep. And, and just go read the story if you don't know why. But of all the doorsteps for them to land on, that was the one that God guided them to. And, of course, it's a beautiful story. But, um, but, but they, so she tells him, she says, listen, 40 years ago, we were the ones that were intimidated by you. And so we read it in Joshua chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. This is what Rahab says to the men. She says, listen, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country, we are actually melting in fear 
because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and and what you did in Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord, your God, is God in heaven above and on earth below. See, the Israelites' perception had been wrong all along. What they feared was actually a fear against themselves. They feared their neighbors perceiving them as giants, but in reality, their neighbors actually feared them because of their God. And I understand this is a a different context than the one we find ourselves in today in our everyday average American neighborhoods. But the lesson is still profound. There is still a lesson for us to, to learn here. And that is that fear, whether it's great or small, Fear has a way of distorting our perspective. And by having our perspective distorted, we might miss incredibly meaningful opportunities. We we imagine something in our minds that isn't actually true. And at the same time, the the person that we might be afraid of or just have have an awkward or, or intimidation against They might be thinking the same things about us, and that might be keeping them from from connecting with us in terms of our neighbors. And even though Rahab's words, they come from a different context, it was a completely different thing that was happening there, her words can still give us encouragement when applied to our situation, that, that we might feel a little bit afraid or awkward or uncomfortable, but but. The reality is, is when we are following God into our neighborhoods, and let's not forget that, we're coming behind God Almighty, the one who is already working, the one who is already moving, the one who is preparing the way before us, and we are just coming on the heels of what he is already doing. It's not up to us. We aren't the ones working and changing hearts and lives. Do we understand that? It's not up to you. Just go ahead and and, and move past that fear because it's not up to you. God is the one doing the work. And so if if God, who is calling us into our neighborhoods, and if we are coming behind what he is already doing, we have nothing to fear. We have nothing to fear. But the reality is that we and our neighbors, we are likely all battling fear of some kind, right? Rahab and her neighbors, they had a fear. The Israelites, the people of God, they had a fear. We're all dealing with fear in some way. And whether we want to admit it or not, here's where I'm going to try not to divert too much from the essential message here, but I just feel like the times that we're living in, I don't know. We live in a time where we are perhaps maybe more fearful of how different we are than our neighbors, not even just our literal neighbors, but people all around us. We are at a time where we are really fearful of how different we are, how different we believe. This has divided us. And I think that, that Christians, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give us a hard time for just a moment, a holy, loving hard time, okay? She said ever so lovingly. I think sometimes that this fear that Christians have from those who are different than, from us, from those who don't believe like us, from those who don't live like us. We have this fear that instead propels us to go and meet people in their mess and right where they are. We have a fear that keeps us hunkered down in our basement saying, we're just going to stay here where it's safe, where I know that my family is safe and no one's going to try to get me to believe something that is contradictory to scripture and this is where we should be because it's safe and no one's going to challenge me or make me feel uncomfortable or afraid because they believe something that I can't fathom believing. I think Christians are, are, for the most part today, we are rooted in this sense of fear because the world is so different from us and it just seems to get more and more different, more and more, in our minds, corrupt, right? And so we have this fear that just seems to divide us. And and I just have to tell you that there's people out there that are profiting from our fear. There's people out there that are just selling us things that that are profiting themselves and they are they are tapping into the fear that we have and it's it's not really working in our favor. I'll just let you know. Because the fact of the matter is it's Jesus and Jesus alone who reconciles us with our alienated neighbors, with the other. 
It's the truth of the gospel and the truth of the gospel alone that can break this divide that might exist between us and our neighbors who don't think or live like we do. And, and I'm just here to remind us this morning that our line in the sand that we draw is not going to reconcile us with our neighbor. This overwhelming fear of conversing with those who are not like-minded, that's not going to reconcile us with our lost and broken neighbor. The, the positions that we stand behind, firmly unable to budge, that's not going to reconcile us with our neighbor. But it's faithfully going where God is calling us to go. It's faithfully doing what God has called us to to do. That and that alone is what will reconcile us with our neighbor. Living in fear further isolates us, but living in faith will be what unites and reconciles us with the otherwise unreconcilable and isolated. Do we have the ears to hear this message? The call today for us is a call to live above the fear and dread that can be found in the world. There's a lot of fear and a lot of dread in the world, but today we are called to live above. We are not called to give in to that fear and dread, but live above it with Jesus and this command to love our neighbor as ourself, no matter who that neighbor is or how different they might be or how intimidating they may appear. This command is our focus, and as our focus on this command, as we refocus on this command, our fears will begin to diminish and God's will will be accomplished because it's not God's will for Christians to just separate from the world or from our neighbors. It's God's will for us to go and meet them where they are and offer them the hope that is found in Jesus. And oftentimes that's just going to be in how we live. And if we live in fear and dread, they're going to see that and they're going to, who wants that? Who's interested in that? There's enough of that. The world has given that away for free. Why are we trying to sell this fear and this dread? But, but instead, if they look and they just see and witness the hope that we have, maybe, just maybe, they will see the hope that is offered to them as well. I don't know what it is that you might be afraid of or might be intimidated by, but whatever it is, I wonder what would happen if instead of, of letting that fear or a simple preconception keep us from stepping onto another's doorstep, I wonder if what would happen if we would be willing to go where God is calling us, even though we don't really know what the outcome will be, even though we might feel a little bit awkward or uncomfortable. So last week we, we watched, um, I'm, we're going to watch that video just in a moment, so I'm going to give you guys a heads up to boot that up. But last week we watched this video. It was this warm and fuzzy, inspiring story of a woman in Austin, Texas, who in order to uh, try to fulfill this command to love her neighbor as herself, she didn't really know what that looked like, so she prayed and she asked God, God, how do you want me to fulfill this command? How do you want me to obey this command? And she felt like God was just telling her to make herself present to her neighbors. So, so she did that in a unique way. She painted this, this picnic table turquoise. For those of you who weren't here last week, she painted this beautiful picnic table turquoise and she put it in her front yard, not her backyard, because your neighbors tend to not be able to see you in your backyard with our fences and whatnot. So she put it in her front yard. And this turquoise table became a gathering place for her neighbors. And people would just come and gather around this table and just simply share life together. And there were opportunities. And this became a movement within Aust the Austin, Texas area. It was called the Turquoise Table Movement. Well, so we watched that inspiring video last week. Well, this week's video is a little bit different. It's someone else's story, someone else's neighboring story, and it ends a little bit differently. And I want us to watch that now if it's ready. Are we good with that? My name is Annie. I am from Austin, Texas. I work for Christ Together Greater Austin, and I help with events, social media, and kind of all hands on deck. But my neighboring story uh, happened one afternoon while I was working from home, but when I first moved in, uh, I met one of my neighbors who we parked next to each other, and it was a super brief interaction. Uh, we exchanged names, but I didn't think that he would be very relevant in my life, so it kind of went in one ear and out the other. Um, so after meeting him, really, we had 
very little interaction except smelling his pot through the walls every now and again. Um, and other than that, I didn't think much of him, um, which is sad. But uh, one afternoon I pulled in after coming back from a meeting and um, was working in my apartment and watching TV, answering emails, taking phone calls, and I heard like people running up the back stairs, um, heard them banging on a door, and so I turned the TV off and started listening, and after a while, the door finally opened and he answered the door, and I heard the cop say, it's APD, uh, we're here for crisis intervention. Um, I believe his, he called his mom and then the mom called um, APD, but he was going to take his life. He'd been going to, I think, like a counselor or something and that they prescribed him stuff, but that the drugs were only making suicidal th thoughts worse. They asked him why he like made the claim to take his life and he said because he was depressed. And really the conversation kind of went from there and I didn't get to hear the end of the conversation. I heard them talk about taking him and to him get help and you know going to a treatment facility or something like that but I don't really know how the conversation ended. I heard them leave and then really after that I his car was gone uh, for like really two months um, until like literally like last week or so there was a moving truck outside. His car was back for like an hour and a half. Um, and I haven't seen him since. I think the realization I've had after that is that, you know, we can't always assume that there's a tomorrow and something as important as knowing the people that live around you can't always be put off till tomorrow. Because in that moment, when I started to pray for him, it just hit me so hard that I, I didn't even remember his name because I didn't think to remember his name. And I'd had a, kind of had the mindset moving in here that this would be, you know, not permanent, that once I, you know, got married and had my own house, then, then I would get to know those neighbors once I was, like, settled. Um, I think I just realized that we are where we are right now for a very specific purpose and that you really never know what's going on around you and for such darkness to be literally right down the hall was just heartbreaking. So it might be easier for all of you to watch me tell my story and see my journey and kind of point the finger but I think that the reality of it is that there's a lot of people that are in my same spot because we never really know what our neighbors are going through and what's going on around us if we don't take that first step. So I decided to share my story with you because I wanted to encourage you to take that step and get to know your neighbors and to truly love where you live. Hello, my name is Annie. And my story is not ending, it's just beginning. I want you to know that I don't show that video this morning to make you feel guilty. There's no urge or desire in my heart at all for us to watch that and feel guilty, okay? No guilt, no feelings of shame or guilt allowed. I simply found that video inspiring and encouraging. I appreciated her vulnerability and sharing a story that I feel like most, if not all of us, can really relate to, feeling like we missed a great opportunity to just know someone and to know their story. I realized this week as I watched that video and I was thinking about this fear, you know, and kind of the fear that we live in and the fear that Christians tend to have and how that fear kind of separates us from the world rather than, than moving us out into it to be the light and the hope in the midst of it. I realized this week that, that for me, there's a greater fear than just feeling awkward or uncomfortable with a new neighbor. 
For me, there's a, a greater fear than just feeling like they might not receive me and that they might reject me and, and all that I believe in. For me, the, the fear, the greatest fear that I realized this week is that the fear of a missed opportunity is far greater than one of being rejected or engaging in the life of someone who lives differently and, dare we say, sinfully. I'm more afraid of Christians being completely separated and isolated from the world than I am of us getting in it and getting a little bit messy. See, Jesus wasn't worried about what others were going to think of him. He wasn't worried that his appearance with worldly people who the religious called sinners, he, he wasn't worried about what that appearance looked like. I think he was far more concerned about the, the outcome if he didn't. And it was worth it for him. And so I, I'm more afraid of us just continuing to be separated from the world rather than us getting into it. What potential fear this morning is keeping you from connecting with your neighbors? And, and how might, as a result of that, how might our neighbors continue to live in fear and in isolation themselves as a result? And so I just pray this morning that you would, would just open up your heart to hear from the Lord and how he might be speaking to you this morning right where you are. Please stand and sing this with us this morning. When peace like a
but wonder this morning, is it well with your soul? Is it well with your soul this morning? I, I, my greatest fear, listen, do I want to talk about fear? My greatest fear is that somebody would leave this place unreconciled with the Lord. And my greatest fear is that someone, any of us, might leave and things are not well with our soul. And so maybe this morning, I don't know, maybe this morning you find yourself resonating more with the neighbor who was living in isolation and fear than you do with this call to go and love your neighbors. The the reality is, is that there very well may be some here today And let me just say, some lifelong Christians here today who this message doesn't resonate with you because you still identify with the unknown neighbor who's living in isolation and fear, and you feel like nobody knows your name and that there's no hope for you. That's a dark place to live. And I don't want anyone to feel like they are stuck in that place. I want everyone here, whether I've never been a Christian or I've been a Christian my whole life, and yet I'm held captive in this darkness and fear. I don't want anyone to leave this place without having the opportunity to meet the Lord right where you are and to be able to say wholeheartedly, it is truly well with my soul. Doesn't mean everything's perfect. Doesn't mean that I have all the answers. I don't have a lot of answers. It doesn't mean that that I'm always going to feel on cloud nine. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to face trials, but at the end of the day, I can stand and say, it is truly well with my soul. Would it be possible for us to sing that last verse in chorus one more time? And listen, if this isn't for anyone here this morning, I don't know who it's for, but maybe, maybe if it's not for anyone here, we need to be praying that those neighbors, those around us, our coworkers, our neighbors, our, our, our family, our kids, our parents, our brothers and sisters, maybe we're calling this out for their sake. But I just don't want anyone to miss an opportunity to be pulled out of that, that darkness and that place of fear. So let us just call out together for those who are unreconciled and pray that it would be well with their soul. Amen. We'll sing that fourth verse and then we'll sing our chorus again. And Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight. The clouds be
Jesus, we thank you for the peace that we have, the peace that we can proclaim and declare with confidence, that even in the midst of of dark and trying times, even in the midst of of heartache and loss, even in the midst of of deep division and and divide and, and the hate that we see, that we can be people of hope, that we can be people that are filled with the hope that only comes from Christ to be able to say, it is well with my soul. Lord, I just pray for those who, who we know that are unreconciled, those who have, have not made things well in their soul with you. Lord, I know that we all know these people. We are, are married to these people. We, we have these people in our lives at, at work. We, these are our parents, our kids, our, our siblings, family, friends. God, would you help us, the church, would you help us to be the ones that are willing to go and meet these people where they are? that we would continue to show up for them, that we would continue to learn their names, that we would continue to learn and listen to their stories, that we would continue to humble ourselves and just listen to those who might live differently, believe differently in hopes that, that they would see the hope of Christ that we have and that they would desire to have that hope and that they would truly make you the Lord of their lives. God, would you be with those of us who often find ourselves identifying with the unknown neighbor who is is overwhelmed and has nowhere else to turn? Lord, would you show up in the the hearts of those who are feeling lost and, and broken this morning? Would you show up in such a real and present way in their hearts? Let them know, God, that you see them, that you know them, that you love them, that you gave your life for them. Help them to know, God, that they are not alone that they are seen and loved. And help us, Lord, to be your people who are the hands and feet of Jesus and we show up for those around us and that we truly would love our neighbors as ourselves, as you love us. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus who calls us and goes before us. And everyone said amen and amen. Well, before we dismiss this morning, I do just have a few uh, quick announcements for you. Before I forget, for all the dads in the room this morning, we have a candy bar out there with your name on it. It doesn't have your name on it for real, but it's your time to shine today. You get a candy bar. So I hope that makes you glad that you came to church this morning, that you get a Hershey's candy bar. Um, but, But we want you to grab one of those on your way out, and we hope that you have a great day with your families. I want to just remind you that we're we're halfway through the month of June already, which means we're halfway through the year already, which is crazy. But um, for the month of June, we have a prayer emphasis happening. And so if you're interested in grabbing one of these guides, they are out there in the lobby for you. Um, These are just some prayer guides that are kind of guiding us through um, the month of June as we are making efforts to learn the names of our neighbors and to meet our neighbors and to just be the hands and feet of Jesus in our neighborhoods. Um, These are prayers that that we believe that prayer paves the way, that that we can't go unless God goes before us. So we're just praying that the Lord would help us. So please continue to faithfully pray on Mondays in June, uh, whatever time you choose to do that. And we are grateful that we are a church that's praying and, and serving together. Amen. Amen. So this Thursday, um, we also were having a cookout this Thursday over at the Lake uh, Christine Village Apartments. And that is an effort for us as BFCN uh, to get to know our own neighbors. Uh, We want to be people who don't just talk about loving our neighbors, but we want to be people who really love our neighbors. And so we are hoping to meet some of them for the first time. And so if you are interested in helping in any way, would you sign up in the foyer? There's a sign-up sheet that says barbecue. Uh, There's a big sign above it, and just write your name down and let us know that you plan to help, and then you can also indicate how you would like to help with that, and the options are there, okay? Uh, But we just want to know what kind of help we're going to have with that. And then finally, don't forget VBS coming up July 29th through 30th. Um, We're going to be having some promotional material for you in the coming weeks for you to hand out to your neighbors with with kids, families you know with kids, in hopes that they will come and and have a great uh, few days at VBS. Well, brothers and sisters in Christ, you are loved.
You are loved, and I pray that you would go in the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, who loves you. Go and love others this week. You are dismissed.